Direct King's Court starts now. 
I've won and lost against the best. This old road's been a hell of a test. I'm still driving. I ain't slowing down. There's rules I love to break and bend. Mistakes I've made again and again. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. And a good Monday morning, St. Louis and all points. North, east, south, and west, we welcome you into the Window World King's Court. The Window World King's Court, right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com. KevinSlaytonShow.com. We're glad you're along for the ride on this Monday morning, the morning that the liberals created. Friday, of course, last Friday. Saturday Eve being our favorite day. Monday being our least favorite day. Thanks to the liberals. If you're in the Midwest, you're cold this morning. If you haven't been outside, it's in the 30s with a wind. So it's brisk this morning. It's, well, it's actually not brisk. It's cold. It's cold here in the middle of October. So much for global warming. Those pea brains. In the 30s. <laughs> Take that out and give it a ride, you global warming fruitcakes. Well, we've got a fun show as we always do. If you want the unvarnished truth, backed by facts and evidence, you've come to the right place. That's what we do here. We don't pull any punches. It doesn't matter whether it's Republican or Democrat. And you are welcome to share an opposing viewpoint anytime you'd like. 636-538-0746. We're not afraid of your views. We're not liberals. Only liberals are afraid of other people's viewpoints when they differ differ from theirs, and they want to silence you, muzzle you, ruin your life, ruin your family's life, and put you in jail if they could. That's what they love to do. 636-538-0746. We've got a packed show this morning. Dr. Rick Lehman is going to join us in the second uh, hour. He'll be talking about a number of things, but especially this Hippocratic Oath that was administered at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities Medical School. You won't believe it. We have it for you. Dick Morris, who once worked for the Clintons and now works for Donald Trump, boy, talk about a complete career change that is, tells us good news for Republicans in the midterms. Extremely good news. You'll hear a Bloomberg host this morning destroy Brian Deese, Biden's guy on the National Economic Council, and I mean destroy him, to the point where he neuters him. Carrie Lake will give a challenge to the media, our research assistant's favorite choice for the first female president of the United States. I agree with her, by the way. Maria Bartiromo destroys Debbie Dingell, the congresswoman from Michigan. It's an oldie but a goodie, but it took place, and we were able to unearth it. With regard to the COVID stimulus bill, wait to hear Maria destroy her. Finally, journalists getting a few spines attached. Devin Nunes will tell us about social, uh, Truth Social, the answer to Twitter from President Trump and the spectacular success it's enjoying already. 
And Devin Nunes will also give us some breaking news about the Pelosi threat to Donald Trump that we played for you last week. And we mentioned at the time that the videographer was none other than Pelosi's daughter herself. And now we know why. Candace Owens is going to tell you a lot of things this morning, but especially who the most persecuted class in this country is today. And you might be surprised. But we have all kinds of respect for Candace Owens, so we want to hear her views. Steve Hilton will give you his thoughts on Obama, and you don't want to miss that. I don't know if you heard about the racist who was the head of the Los Angeles City Council, a Democrat, of course, who made all kinds of racial slurs, has now been forced to resign. Leo Terrell will weigh in on the racism card that the liberals always play. Always. Without fail. Karine Jean-Pierre will make a return to the show this morning and tell us why it's the Republicans' fault that this woman was a racist in Los Angeles County. Joy Reid will tell you that Donald Trump, of course, always with regard to race, is a racist. You haven't heard that one before, but wait do you hear why. Todd Bowles, the head football coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who's black, was preparing his team last week for a game this Sunday, yesterday, against the Steelers, whose coach Mike Tomlin is also black. When liberal reporters tried to get Bowles to say something racist, racist, he shot them down. Our research assistant has all of that for us. Biden finally admits that he doesn't care about you or the economy here. That's right. I said it correctly. Greg Jarrett will tell us just how corrupt the FBI has become and the newest information that we have on their absurd corruption. Absurd corruption. We've got all that, and of course your calls are welcome. Our good friends at Zycan Exteriors want you to know that after storms, and this is a good time, by the way, to have your roof checked with the cool air coming now, if you've got an opening in your roof and you don't know about it, any damage at all, you want to get it fixed now, before the winter. I had problems. 636-345-6873, that's the number. I called Zycan Exteriors. 636-345-6873. If you're calling from the east side, it's 618-806-6911. 806-6911. Now, why would you call them? Well, your roof protects your biggest investment, your home. And what I found out, and thank God I caught it in time, is that water was leaking through an opening in my roof into a back bedroom closet wall that I infrequently used. So we were fortunate to catch it in time, thanks to the Zycan folks, who came out to my house, gave me peace of mind for free. That's right, they'll do it for you too. A free damage inspection. So all you have to do is call them. Now, I was able to get a full roof replacement because of the damage, with all upgraded Owens Corning shingles because they're a preferred contractor of Owens Corning. They'll bring their A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau with them. They are the storm damage experts, and they've been around since 1949. So the fly-by-nighters that come by knocking on your door this time of year or after every storm, promising a cheap roof, don't pay attention. I hope you don't fall for it. If you do, 
in a couple of weeks when your roof is leaking, you'll call them to repair it, and they're gone. Not Sycan Exteriors. Been here since 1949. 636-345-6873. From the east side, 618-806-6911. That's Zycan Exteriors. Well, I don't even know where to begin. Mondays are always like that. So much happens over the weekend. It's incredible. If you're a sports fan, you had the the dilemma on Saturday, unless you had five or six TV sets in front of you, as to which exciting moment in sports you were going to pick to watch. Every year, every October, we have that. Sports overload. And every year in October, we are treated to historical, exciting moments in sports, reminding us again that we need, desperately need, a break from the lying, corrupt criminals that we have absurdly elected to run our country. And from those criminals that we haven't elected who are also involved in running the country. But it was quite a weekend No, it did not involve Mizzou. They didn't play, so they didn't lose. But it did involve a coach at Tennessee by the name of Josh Heupel. Now, who was Josh Heupel, you might say? Well, he was the Missouri offensive coordinator in the 15 and 16 seasons, or maybe it was 16 and 17, I can't recall. He left to take the head coaching job at the University of Central Florida, where he went 28 and 8 over three seasons. Surely, Missouri was going to come calling to bring him back as their head coach, right? Well, you're wrong if you think that. Because instead of hiring him, they hired the imbecile who's down there now, Eli Drinkshitz, who has had one year of head coaching experience prior to getting the job at Missouri. Josh Heupel was not only a Missouri coach, but had three brilliant seasons at UCF behind him. So instead he went to Tennessee. And what has he done in Tennessee in two short years? He's taken them from the depths of the SEC where they were competing evenly with Missouri and in just two years now built them into a national power that should be ranked number one when the polls come out this week, number one in the nation. Now, they won't be because the polls are corrupt, as are all polls. They'll continue to rank a a decent Georgia team number one, even though they're not. A decent Ohio State team, number two, even though they're not. They'll put Tennessee at number three. But Tennessee beat Alabama over the weekend in one of the greatest games of any season. And so they should leapfrog all of the other teams who've played nobodies. Tennessee has proven it on the field under Josh Heupel, another guy that Missouri could have had but chose not to. Amazing, isn't it? And then there were the baseball games, the playoff games, the Houston Astros going 18 innings to win over Seattle, one to nothing on a home run by Jeremy Pena. So we congratulate my friend Jim Crane, his Houston Astro team, an exquisite team. They now advance to the American League Championship Series for the sixth consecutive year. It's never been done in history. Where they'll await the winner of tonight's game between the Yankees and the Indians. The Dodgers, the team with the best record in baseball, knocked out of the playoffs by San Diego. 
The Phillies, who are on a run like you haven't seen before, knock out the defending world champion Braves. This all happened on Saturday. Not to mention Illinois becoming bowl eligible under Brett Bielema. Another guy Missouri could have had, but chose not to. Starting to see the pattern in Missouri? (laughs) If you don't, you're Stevie Wonder. But let's move on. Those were the sporting highlights of the weekend, and boy, were they spectacular. And then yesterday in Kansas City, the best NFL game of the year between the Bills and the Chiefs, won by Buffalo on a spectacular touchdown pass and catch to a tight end slash wide receiver who had lost his younger brother. Man, what a story. You can't make those stories up, but they come in sports all the time. Well, Dick Morris, who is a pollster and a campaign guy, he's always been involved in politics. He's written a book called The Comeback, the prediction that Donald Trump will come back and run again and win the White House again. He's, in the past, worked for the Clintons. But he believes, as we all have seen, that the liberals, the candidates, are now running from Biden and everyone in the Democratic Party is running away from rallying around Biden. Why do you suppose that is, Dick? Well, look at the president. You know, you, you, we, to send him into the boxing rink with Putin is, is absurd. Uh, and we're looking at the president. We're saying this is what our country is protected by. This is what our faith hangs on. And I think that it's probably... Not rallying people around him, but actually deterring them. I couldn't agree more. Biden is a, is a magnet. Well, he's the opposite of a magnet. He is throwing people away from him. I don't know if you saw him over the weekend. He admitted that he didn't care about you or me or the American dollar for that matter. He did all of this while he's munching on an ice cream cone like the juvenile that he is. I'm not concerned about the transfer dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. The internal. Inflation is worldwide. Our economy is strong as hell. I'm not concerned about the American dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. He doesn't care about you or me. This guy's a global elitist. He doesn't care about the United States, never has. The economy is strong as hell. They should clip that out, the Republicans should, and use that in every single one of their campaign ads. Every single one. The economy is strong as hell. Well, then why is it that 71% of people polled, again, remember, polls are skewed liberal three to one. And yet 71% of those people say they're going without some necessities because the economy is so bad. 78% of those people say the country's headed in the wrong direction. Now, why would they say that if the economy was strong as hell? If you want to talk about a group of people that are totally and completely out of touch with what the country feels, look at the Democrats, because that's who they are. They have no concern about the country, no concern about your everyday issues, 
financial issues caused by them, they don't care. In fact, not only do they not care, they lie to you about it. They tell you that you're stupid, that the economy is strong as hell. And so whatever you're feeling at the pump, at the grocery store, getting clothes, whatever you're paying for, you're a fool. The economy's strong as hell. You're not paying any more. You're just kind of stupid. We know who he cares about. When he says he is concerned about the rest of the world, he means China. As a friend of mine described it, his personal piggy bank, not only for him, of course, but for that drug-addicted son of his and that complete criminal brother of his. The Bidens regard China as their investment. They'll never feel what you and I feel because they have China supporting them financially. Always have. Eat your ice cream, Joe. It must be nice to eat ice cream, no matter how cold that ice cream is, and never have to worry about a brain freeze, because this guy has no brain. He is the ultimate scarecrow. And they trot out these idiots. This is why Dick Morris is correct. They trot out these idiots like Brian Deese, who is their National Economic Council advisor. He's the head of their National Economic Council. Now, this is the guy who's in charge of the economy at the White House. And they trot this imbecile out, and they sent him to Bloomberg, which I guess was a mistake because while they believe all media is in their bag, I guess some people aren't. And this Bloomberg reporter was clearly not in their bag. He asked a simple question of Deese. Now, Remember the question, and then listen to the answer, and then the follow-up by someone who is a real reporter. Brian, the Saudis themselves said this morning that the U.S. requested a one-month delay to the OPEC Plus output. I wonder why that would be. Brian, can you tell me whether you did ask the Saudis for a one-month delay to that decision? Are they telling the truth? Look, we clearly we clearly communicated our views to OPEC members that we thought it was short-sighted to, for them to take uh, the action that they were contemplating, and they announced. With respect to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, this was a calibrated decision to address the real issues in the market. We talked to U.S. industry last winter. We identified that there was about a million barrel a day gap between what they were producing this winter and what they said that they could get production to by late this fall. That million-barrel gap was what we calibrated to make the decision on the use of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And people should feel confident that the Strategic Petroleum Reserve continues to be an asset that we can deploy to address our economic and national security needs. That's always what has dictated the President's decision-making on this, and that's what uh, will dictate his decision-making on this going forward. Brian, you didn't answer the question, so I'm going to ask it again. It's a really straight question. Did you ask the Saudis to delay that decision for a month? Are they telling the truth or not? Look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to to, to uh, get on, on on air and disclose private conversations that well, members it's not of our private. administration the have shared it with us. With You've got the opportunity to say it's true or not. Is it true or not? What I will say. What I will say. What I will say clearly is that the communications that we've had with OPEC members and continuing have been based on our assessment of the economic circumstances of supply and demand in global oil markets. We disagree. You low rent scumbag. 
what I will, what I will, what I will clearly say, the, the word clearly is always the key, as I've told you before. When you hear a politician say clearly, that means they're lying. What I will clearly say, well, what do you mean what you will clearly say? Just say it. Just tell us your lie. Don't answer the question. Three tries at it. Struck out on all three. Well, I won't disclose private conversation. Well, it wasn't private. The Saudis disclosed it. There's nothing private about it. Are they telling the truth? The answer, of course, is yes, they are. Not one person in Biden's regime has denied it. So, of course, they asked for a one-month delay of the Saudis announcing that they were cutting back oil production so that the Democrats wouldn't be hurt by that in the midterms. These people play politics with everything, but most importantly, your life. My life, your life, they don't care. I saw a posting on a social media account that had a picture. A guy said, this is what took place in our family this weekend, pumpkin carving. And on one of the pumpkins, it it was carved out, vote. And on the other one, a donkey, the, the symbol of the Democrat Party, the jackass. Liberals will politicize anything, including Halloween now. What's next? A donkey with a white beard and a Christmas hat and a sleigh? They'll politicize anything. They're incredible. What we're going through right now what 78% of the people agree on, that this country's headed in the right direction, this economic collapse, is all orchestrated willingly by the Democrats. This is their plan. We said it all along. They use COVID as the wedge to start making you dependent on the government. They started giving you handouts. They started making you feel good about them. Oh, look, we've got a problem, but we'll give you money. That's the goal of all communists. Make the people dependent on the communist regime. And then, for the millionth time, they control you. This is all about power, greed, and control. Every single thing Biden and these liberal criminals have done is designed by plan. They've been waiting for this chance. They've gotten it. They're doing their damnedest to destroy a country they hate. Don't sit back and let them. Get out and vote. You don't need a pumpkin to tell you to vote. I get a kick out of these liberals, too, because, again, here's another reason why people are running from them in droves. They've got this woman in Minnesota running for Congress. She's so stupid. She didn't uh, – I, I, I assume this was a gaffe, but you never know with a liberal – but she told you that she loves Big Pharma and hates you. Her name is Angie Craig. Tyler Kistner and his funding from Super PACs, that is how they're trying to hold me accountable. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and standing against my constituents. <laughs> She'll never stop standing up for Big Pharma and standing against her constituents. She let it slip out. You don't make that statement if that's not exactly how you feel. That's not a gaffe. She said it smoothly. Her thought actually took over her mouth. 
I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and always stand up against my constituents. That is not a gaffe. You don't miss those words and mix them up. And let's just say you did. Wouldn't you immediately correct it? She didn't. Because she meant it. That's what liberals do. They don't care about you. Get it through your head. What does it take? Do you need to be beaten with a baseball bat? They can't stand you. And they'll trample you if you're black, Hispanic. It doesn't matter to them. If you dare disagree with the state, you're expendable. That's pure communism. Well, Carrie Lake is busy trying to win the governor's chair in Arizona, and her opponent, Katie Hobbs, has been so gutless and so spineless. While she was asked by an Hispanic interviewer one thing that she's learned from the Hispanic community, the best she could come up with is, my sister-in-law's Hispanic. Well, I got news for you, Katie Hobbs. That's not something you learn. That's just a fact. But she refuses to debate Carrie Lake, and Carrie Lake has had about enough of her and the liberal media. Let them have it, Carrie. The people in the liberal press need to demand that your candidate, the one you guys are backing in the liberal press, show up and debate. The people of Arizona deserve this. I promise her, Katie, I promise you, you can write the questions for me. I promise you I won't yell, Katie. I promise you I won't interrupt you. And if you want to have an emotional support animal there as well, I will agree to that. But show up like a grown-up and debate. We have serious issues facing this great state of ours. We've got the narco-terrorists controlling our, our border right now. How in the heck are you going to go up against them if you're afraid to debate me here at PBS? How in the heck are you going to go up against Gavin Newsom when he's stealing our water and fight back there and when they're taking our energy? How in the heck are you going to fight for companies to come to Arizona when you have to go up against people like great governors like Governor Abbott and Governor Christy Noem and Governor Ron DeSantis? Arizona will lose if Katie Hobbs is elected. Carpe! Triple, quadruple, diem, Carrie Lake. Pretty simple. Completely in control. Completely fluent in her points. And letting Katie Hobbs have it. And the media. Because they're cheering Katie Hobbs on. They're not demanding she do a debate. Can you imagine if Carrie Lake was dodging the debate? And Katie Hobbs was insisting that they have a debate? All of the media in Arizona would be saying, Carrie Lake is a coward. What is she hiding from? Doesn't she have a mastery of the facts and the issues that the people of Arizona demand to know? But they're not saying anything about Katie Hobbs. Not a word. Politics is corrupt on every level. Let's make sure everybody understands that. So these are all reasons why people are running from the Liberal Party, it's absurd. We were able to find an old clip of Maria Bartiromo, another journalist. We've got two things this morning from journalists actually standing strong. And this was uh, with Debbie Dingell, the congresswoman, the liberal congresswoman from Michigan. When Debbie Dingell kept singing the praises of the COVID relief, COVID stimulus bill, 
which had 9% of the bill designated for COVID issues. 9%. Maria Bartiromo had run out of patience. Like the humanities and the arts industry, like museums and, and the rest, we have a list here. It's very, it's a real reach to say that giving $300 million to arts and humanities is COVID related. It's also a reach to say $200 million for museums and libraries is because of COVID and Silicon Valley transit expansion. How is $100 million for the Silicon Valley transit ex- expansion COVID related? I mean, seriously, Maria, we're looking at the list in I'm front not- of us. We're not that's stupid, Congresswoman. I want to talk about museums and nonprofits. Museums have suffered the same problems that businesses have. Do you want to see, you have richer people of wealth that might be willing to kick in and save some of your big New York uh, art or cultural institutions. But come to Michigan, the Detroit Art Institute, the Henry Ford, uh, Greenfield Village, they have had no income. Do we want they contribute to the culture of a community? They're an important part of the economy. They're part of tourist attraction. Do you want to see them go out of business? Congresswoman, I don't want to see anybody go under. People are going under because of the rules and regulations of the Democrat governors who will not allow these small businesses to open. How about putting the money aside, spending the money that's already been allocated, that's in the bank, ready to go, and allow these businesses to open so that they can actually get GDP instead of PPP. Let's get the economy back open. That's what's going to get this economy moving, not money for the arts. Bad dear Maria Bartiromo. That's a pretty simple question, isn't it? I mean, would you rather be able to go down to the art museum and look at a picture or eat food? That's a basic question. But see, Dingle is a typical Democrat. We've got our little pet projects that we support, and we're going to get the money in there under the guise of COVID relief. How about her? These museums and art museums are part of our culture. We can't see them closed down. But bars and restaurants you didn't seem to give a damn about. Gyms you didn't care about. Small businesses everywhere you didn't care about. GDP instead of PPP. I love it. I love it. Carrie Lake mentioned the debate in Arizona that hasn't taken place. This last weekend, three big debates did take place. Dick Morris, how did the Republicans fare? There were there were, there were three pivotal debates last night, and they were in different parts of the country and weren't they weren't covered by uh, the national stations. But uh, I hunted and looked through them, and the Republicans won all three, in my judgment, decisively. Uh, Walker in Georgia defeated Warnock in his debate. He was like an experienced political pro. When Warnock would bring something up, he would answer, and he'd pivot to inflation and Joe Biden. And uh, Tudor Dixon, the Republican in Michigan, who nobody has given a chance to win, absolutely destroyed Gretchen Whitmer in the debate, just killed her, and did a beautiful, amazing job. I think she can win now. And in Wisconsin, the Republican Michaels completely outclassed Evers, the Democratic incumbent governor. And that one, I think, is going to also be a win. That's three big ones. That governor in Minnesota, I don't know if you've heard her speak, the lady who's running on the Republican ticket. She runs circles around Gretchen Witchcraft. 
if the people of Michigan are so stupid they don't elect her, I feel sorry for Michigan. I really do. If you're that stupid, brain dead, completely brain dead, then why would you fall for any or fall for the the crap from any Democrat? Here's some numbers for you to digest. Since Biden took office, monthly savings have collapsed, falling 83%. But remember, the economy is strong as hell. But your monthly savings have collapsed 83%. The average 401k plan had over $135,000 at the start of this year. Today, those assets have shrunk an average to about 101000 so your 401k plan is down, on average, $34,000. That's more than 25% in one year. In one year. And you've got that idiot telling you that the economy is strong as hell. You've got that moronic criminal, Mayorkas, saying this. The political cry that the border is open is music to the smuggler's ears because they take that political rhetoric and they market it. This asset continues to say the border is closed. It's morons like these people who drive people to the grand old party. It's absurd. And yet they keep saying things like this. So while these debates were being decisively won by Republicans in Dick Morris's view, something else was going on too. And this is the overwhelming good news for Republicans to hear. While this was happening, the generic ballot, the key question, who are you going to vote for in your district, the Democrat or the Republican, all things being equal, had had gone from tied in late August to plus one Republican in early September to plus five Republican in late September. And now it is plus seven Republican. Uh, and a seven-point lead in that indicates a sweep in the House. And if it goes higher to 10 or 11, it indicates a complete massacre of the Democratic Party. And I suspect that that's what's going to happen. Carpe diem, Dick Morris. That's the same enthusiasm I have. It's the same positive feeling I have. It's going to be a massacre. There isn't a single reason for someone to vote for a Democrat. Now, we know they're going to try to rob all people of the, of the election. They're going to steal it if they can. They're already sending out, they've been caught in Colorado, for instance, sending out 30,000 illicit ballots that were illegal. They've already been caught. Been caught in Illinois. They always are caught in Illinois. So we know what they're up to. The difference is we're catching them. And the states that require voter ID now. That was the best thing the Republicans were able to do. Once they got voter ID as a requirement, these illicit ballots became worthless. Worthless. So that was a big plus. There's only one reason why Democrats are fighting voter ID laws in every state. They want you to believe, oh, they're trying to suppress the black vote. It's always the blacks. They've used black people for their political gain for decades. It's time the black community stood up and said, enough is enough. Quit using us. We're not stupid. We know how to get an ID. So that's, to me, the greatest racial insult of all time is saying that black people 
can't function well enough in society to get themselves an ID. I mean, it's criminally racist to say that. The problem is they actually believe it. And yet the majority of the black community will vote for them. I promise you. It's not as big as it's been in the past. So there are signs that the black community is awakening to being used all these decades by Democrats. But how can you not be fully awake? They just said, you're so damn dumb that you don't know how to get an ID. How much more can you be insulted? Why are you taking it? Quit being stupid because the stupid part enters the picture when you continually vote for these people who hate you but use you for a vote and use you for their political power. That's when you're stupid, when you keep putting up with that. There is no other description of that other than blatant stupidity. Do you like being slapped around? You must. If you're in the black community and you vote for a Democrat, you must love getting your ass slapped around. There's no other answer. I defy anyone to interview anybody in the black community and ask them this question. What have the Democrats done for you? Now, we know what President Trump did for the blacks. We know, for instance, that he gave... Tens of millions of dollars to historical black colleges and universities. No Democrats ever done that. Ever. The crime bill. That was in favor of the black community. So many things Trump did. But the media is so corrupt, they won't remind you of those things. And that's why it's imperative that the black community learn this on their own because you're not going to have it fed to you by the liberal media. Maybe Truth Social, the answer to Twitter that Donald Trump started, that platform that allows all thought, not conservative thought, not liberal thought, all thought to be exchanged. Devin Nunes is in charge of that. The president hired him to get him away from the Congress. And here's what he says about the success of Truth Social. We're opening the internet back up to give the American people their voice back. So I see True Social as the communications arm of that. We're riding on the Rumble Cloud, Rumble Video, and the Rumble ad platform. We had to build that. The reason that I left Congress and the reason that Donald Trump helped create this company is because the American people need their voice back, and they need the internet open back up again. It's completely closed off by the fake news, working with these tech tyrants. I mean, we just saw over the weekend... Uh, you know, it was put out there that PayPal was now going to start finding people 2,500. They've since withdrawn that, pretend that it didn't happen. But this has to be created. This new highway has to be created. So we have built it so we cannot be canceled. The only challenge that we have is that we have to be in the Apple App Store and we have to be in the Google Play Store. And we couldn't be fully launched until we were in both of those stores. So thankfully, two days ago, Google finally let us in. Now we're number one on the Google Play Store. So I can finally tell you here today for the first time on your show, we are finally fully launched after six months of waiting. Carpe diem to Truth Social and President Trump. You know, if you're black out there and you're thinking, is Slayton crazy? Well, look at the economic opportunity zones in the urban areas that Trump created. 
look at the, the unemployment rate, not only for blacks, but for everybody, Hispanics, white people. Lowest in history. In the black community, it was the highest employment rate in history. More blacks were employed under Trump than any time in history. In history. That's not a comment as to whether I like Trump or dislike Trump. I couldn't give a damn. That's a comment of fact regarding his policies in the black community. Those are facts. You can't get around them. And every gain that you made under Trump, Biden has taken away. I mentioned earlier that we played that clip of Pelosi threatening Trump last year. Or excuse me, we played it last week from the January 6th debacle. Here it is again, and then we're going to follow up with some comments from Devin Nunes, who explains why this video was created. Now, keep in mind, the person making the video is Pelosi's own daughter. I'm going to punch him out. This is my mom. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. (laughs) The side of this 80-something-year-old trying to punch out Donald Trump is hilarious on its own. I'd pay to see it. I'd pay to see it. You invited him to a fight, a fist fight. You committed assault because the legal definition of assault is making someone fear that you're going to attack them. You don't have to actually attack them. That's battery. So she's guilty of assault. She should already be in jail. But she wants to punch him out. Could you imagine getting struck by a punch from Nancy Pelosi? Wouldn't you think it was more like a fly that was annoying you than a punch? But now we find out that her daughter's videotaping it for a reason. The Democrats always do something for a reason, don't they? In this case, this was nothing more than the January 6th committee's charade orchestrated by a Hollywood producer. And Pelosi's threat to punch the president out was the same. That video that you're showing there, we now have just found out that that was a special camera crew that came in to film what I guess was a documentary. It's almost as if they wanted this to happen and they wanted to get her on tape. And that's she is acting there. So I know it sounds ridiculous what she said. I'm going to punch Donald Donald Trump. She's acting. That's all. That's plain and simple. All that is. Later that night, when the riders were cleared from the building, we went back and voted. It was probably 10, 11 o'clock at night. I can tell you that the Democrats, late at night, they were laughing. They weren't sad. They weren't crying. They weren't scared. They were laughing and saying, we're going to get them. We're gonna, this is going to be political. I even saw some in the dark of night down in the tunnels beneath the Capitol giving each other high fives. Giving each other high fives. None of them were scared. None of them feared for their life as they claimed. These pack of lying rats were celebrating that they could use something that they orchestrated with the cooperation of the FBI, that they orchestrated in order to use it against Donald Trump and every other Republican. This January 6th thing is a charade. I get so sick of every Republican who says, eh, the people that caused this should be arrested and go to jail. Shut up. 
Maybe we ought to put you in jail, Lindsey Graham, and the rest of you Republican cowards who continually say that. Anyone who forcibly broke something in gaining entrance to the Capitol should be fined and charged with a citation like you and I would get for speeding. Pay your fine. Go on your merry way. That's it. There was no riot. There was no insurrection. And every bit of it was orchestrated, we now know, by the Democrats. Pelosi was busy cutting videos, slapping high fives, laughing. Nobody was crying. You just heard Devin Nunes. He was there. And yet Republicans continue to shoot themselves in both feet. They elect people like Mittens Romney to the Senate. Now here's an ad in Utah because Romney has refused to endorse Mike Lee, the senior Republican in the state of Utah. Now why would he do that? He supports the Republican in the uh, the, the uh, primary who's supported by Democrats. Remember Romney brought Chinese workers into Bain Capital and forced American workers to train them to take their jobs. Remember that Romney did that. Here's kind of a compilation of Romney and his bullshit in a TV ad that Mike Lee is running. Donald Trump is a phony, a fraud. You need to stand up and say that Black Lives Matter. She's also highly qualified, intelligent, capable person, and I uh, wish her the very best. The great question the Constitution tasks senators to answer is whether the president committed an act so extreme and egregious that it rises to the level of a high crime. To peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Yes, he did. Romney will not be endorsing Senator Mike Lee. Romney is not formally supporting the top Republican on the Utah ballot. Mitt Romney. With friends like these, who needs Democrats? Who needs Democrats? Boy, isn't that the truth? Good morning. You're in the window world. King Scored, how are you? Good morning. Is this, uh, hey, this is Mark. This is Kevin. This is Mark from Facebook. How, How you doing, doing, Mark? Hey, hey, I just wanted to see if I could ever get back, get on the uh, air here and voice my uh, opinion on things. Well, here you are. Go ahead. Yeah. So am I online or? You're what? on. You're on the show. Oh, I'm on. How you doing? Uh, uh, I, I wasn't sure if, uh, what line I was calling in. It's good to hear from you. It's been a while. I've gotten away from uh, the media, and uh, just because I think I had to lower my blood pressure, and it did go down after I stopped watching uh, all news for a while. <laughs> Sometimes that works. That could be the tonic. It sure was. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm I'm back in Wisconsin now. I was living in St. Louis, and I think I told you that. But, yeah, uh, uh, and it's, hey, Christmas is coming. We had snow up here. Uh, a few traces of snow already, which was kind of nice. But uh, over, uh, I, I wanted to touch base um, with the elections coming on. I'm getting proactive again because of all the stupid people in America. That uh, they just said this morning that 30, uh, something like only 32 percent of the people that voted for Biden would 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 vote for him again. And I mean, is that how stupid that we got people running around us on a in our local neighborhoods, well, of our course, local of course, it is. I mean, 
anybody? It, it, it speaks to know, the hold on, it speaks to the level of dependence on media that people have for their own vote. People cannot vote independently anymore. They're too intellectually lazy. They depend on whatever the media tells them, and then they'll vote accordingly. Well, absolutely, and it's just like they're like mindless sheep. And uh, you know, it's there, there's so many people, you know, that the media isn't talking about. You know, the people that really, like I said, when it, when it affects your pocketbook, it affects everybody. And I have a lot of friends in Milwaukee and uh, even Chicago that, uh, you know, Mexican black friends. And they said to me, they said, uh, I made a royal mistake. You know, they said, yeah, I'm making 15, 16, 17 bucks an hour. Even one one of my buddies manages a fast food restaurant. And I won't say the name, but he told me, he said, the price of everything. He says, it feels like I'm making eight bucks. Well, that's called inflation. And the inflation is rising a lot higher than wages. Anytime Biden says something about wages have gone up, you just laugh at him. You just laugh at him. Oh yeah, he's a he's a total fool. Um, and I, I really think right I think right now that we're uh, in a situation where most people that were afraid to speak, uh, kind of like it was when Donald Trump, when I was helping in the 2020, uh, just on the campaign in Wisconsin and helped him win in 2020. And just it, it just those people that this weren't afraid. They were just so sick of the. Uh, the reason, in my opinion, what, what made him win um, was the fact that people were sick and tired of the swamp. And now people are, are reminded that the swamp creatures are back. Yeah, the and swamp. They're really, and they're really bad news. The swamp is deep, and it has been there for a long, long time, and it will take a long time to get rid of it. But you got to continue to drain it, and the only way to do that is not to elect Democrats. That's how you drain the swamp. You're totally correct, man. I mean, that's everybody's got to. Uh, my brother told me, he said, uh, he says, uh, you got to, uh, yeah, he said, uh, and you have to uh, crawl through a landmine, do whatever you got to do, lie to your boss, do what you have to do, but vote because the vote's the only thing that's going to stop this uh, total insanity that's affecting everybody. And, um, you know, socialism is right around the corner and it, so many people just are walking like in, you know, like, oh, it's not going to happen here. Well, <laughs> I think most people realize now, Kevin, that socialism is this. It's already knocked on the door. It's already here. It's here. It's not knocking. It's here. And the Nazi like regime that is in power. If you don't if you doubt me when I say that and you say that's too extreme. Well, let me ask you this. Were the people in Germany, especially the Jews, were they afraid of the Nazi regime? You bet your ass they were. Are the people in the United States today, especially conservatives, afraid of this regime? You bet your ass they are. That's why Republicans refuse to take part in polls. They don't want to be identified. That's why they refuse to say anything publicly because they don't want to be harassed and perhaps targeted by the FBI, the Gestapo. So there are, the similarities are just endless. We are there. It's not coming. We're there. Now it's time to resist it and take it back what we had in this country. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, talk about, you know, Nazis and concentration camps. And you know that. I mean, I'm not going to touch base much. And my father was in D-Day. He helped liberate the liberation camps at the end of the war, uh, World War II. And I can tell you one thing. There's still the, the, the 20-year-old, 30-year-old, whatever they call these, this whole generation of, I don't know if I'm a man or woman or a, or a mule, um, 
that generation is really scary that how brainwashed and how much they're fed to even think that some some of these morons honestly the the schools are telling them that uh, and they're not talking about this in the media that oh the holocaust wasn't real i mean geez i mean that's how that's how brainwashed these kids are in the institutions of America. If, if put it this way, if, if I I don't have kids of my own, but if I did, I wouldn't send them, I wouldn't send them to college today because not unless I knew the curriculum that was going on, which is probably ninety percent bogus and socialism, you know that stuff. Well, you send them to school on. if they want to go to college, but you tell them and you arm them with the knowledge and the strength and the, and the certainty that what they're about to be told by their professors is bullshit. So you make sure your child knows, here are the core values that you've been raised with. You're there to get an education in the subject matter that you're learning. And so anything outside of that subject matter that that professor says, you tune them out. Exactly. It doesn't matter if they're, exactly if, if they're right. conservatives, you turn them out. If they're liberals, you turn them out. That, you tune them out. They are not to be telling you their political views in, in a college classroom. That's crap, mm-hmm. and it should be stopped whether they're conservative or liberal. Well, it was really funny, too, was the fact that uh, I forgot what it was over the weekend. I was just glancing over the, the Sunday morning news shows, and it's amazing how many Democrats. I mean, when it really affects the pocketbooks, I mean, their 401Ks are all gone down, too, and, you know, uh, a few of them are really starting to get bitter on, uh, gee, you know, realizing, geez, this fool really did take my 401k. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. That's a that's a rude awakening. You know, there's no way it. there's no way to get people's attention better than affect their wallets. As soon as the pocketbook is affected, you got their attention. Absolutely, you know, when you can't get you know that third, fourth cheeseburger when you're really starving and you can only afford that. Uh, you can only uh, afford uh, one. As, as far as the cheap one on the, uh, <laughs> it's like okay, geez, boy, things are really tough, you know. Well, when you have to think twice about driving more than ten miles because the gas is so high, it, it takes you from going to a ball game, perhaps, from going to any event, a social event that you might be invited to, because you start thinking, well, do I really need to go there? No. And it's just going to cost me all this money in gas if I do. Why would you go? And so mm-hmm. then the economy, everything is oil-related in this country. And it always well, will be. Once, exactly. once gas prices and, and are too high, it affects everything. Yeah. And, I mean, Uber – I mean, what was it? Uh, Uber and Lyft. Uh, I, I, years ago, I, I did over 6,000 rides with them back in the early days with you know, doing that, this, this moonlighting, this doing it was fun. You know, you were able to make money back then. But thing is, now they're saying that uh, they're going to raise the uh, the drivers aren't making a dime, and what they're doing is they're quitting, and because they're lacking drivers, they're uh, they're going to raise the rates during the holidays, where you know it's going to be insane prices uh, when you need an Uber or Lyft from the airport. And um, yeah, it's going to be crazy. It, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it doesn't matter where you look. You know, anybody that's got a, a, a as far as a pea of a brain that can see what's going on, if they can't see that their life with Donald Trump and their finances, their 401K, and like you said, record black unemployment, everything, um, it was all there. We had it for four years, and we could have had it for the last uh, 
the last six yeah. going on eight, you know, yeah. but uh, unfortunately well, those, we have, you know, hopefully these fools will wake up. But, those those um, people with a pea brain size, a pea, pea size brain are called Democrats. All right, Mark, I appreciate the call. Good to hear from hey, you. Hey, you too. And if I don't talk to you, have a great holiday. You too. Thank you. Take care. Take Bye-bye care. Now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. If you can't recognize what's going on, I do feel sorry for people that are that stupid. I do. It's incredible how people can be that brain dead and just simply follow what media people tell them. Wow. You know, the IRS, or someone, I should say, I'm not sure if it was the IRS, made available these documents from Black Lives Matter. $80 million in revenue they took in. Candace Owens is doing a documentary. It's called Biggest Lie Ever Sold. And here's part of it where she wants to know what happened to that 80 million. Another 200k went to escorts, BDSM workers, strippers, peep show workers, phone sex operators, and webcam performers. And then at that moment, it became personal. And I thought, not only am I going to say the truth, I am going to scream the truth louder than you can scream the lies. Carpe diem, Candace Owens. Scream the truth louder than you can scream the lies. And Black Lives Matter has been nothing but a lie. You heard Mitt Romney supporting them, of course. Why wouldn't he? Mitt Romney is a fraud. Black Lives Matter is a fraud, always has been, always will be. Always. Steve Hilton on the New Revolution on Fox on Sunday nights. I would ask him, are you going to invite Obama over to your house for the holidays? This appalling man, this cynical fraud who shot to fame and glory with a speech about no such thing as red states and blue states, just the United States, now descending into the absolute gutter with vile, sweeping, divisive cultural stereotyping. This complete charlatan calling Republicans mean and racist when his own party's leaders, Democrat leaders, call Mexicans dark and ugly and compare black children to monkeys. Shame on Obama. Shame on the Democrats. Shame on these people who use racism and sexism and homophobia as a political weapon, but do nothing to confront it in their own ranks. He's referring to the president of the Los Angeles City Council who referred to black children as monkeys and Hispanics as dark and ugly. Can you imagine this? No, you really can't, except that it did happen, and she did say it. Leo Terrell, who is black and who split from the Liberal Party, you wonder, where did racism originate, Leo? The ugliness of racism is the foundation of the Democratic Party. They use it to play identity politics. They pit one group after another, and that's why you have this gerrymandering going on in Los Angeles. But what the problem is very simple. They get a pass. Why? Because they have people like James Kleinberg, Obama, giving them an excuse and covering up for the racism. Racism is alive and well in the Democratic Party. The number one reason why I left the Democratic Party was because of that last piece by by Joe Biden. Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That insults every right. black American. And I'll tell you right now, Hispanics and blacks are leaving the Democratic Party. Joe Biden is the imperial wizard of the Democratic Party. Carpe diem, Leo Terrell. The imperial wizard of the Democratic Party. That's so perfectly said. I wish I had said it myself. The guy who eulogized Robert Byrd, who was a high-ranking Klansman, 
called him his best friend. The guy who says, well, you'll hear it a little bit later on, how Obama was the first clean, articulate black person to run for president. Can you imagine this guy? Can you imagine saying that? And what he said about Hispanics? You'll hear it all here in a moment. Steve Hilton, why don't you expose for all of our listeners what the L.A. City Councilwoman said. Self-righteous, sanctimonious Democrats with their endless lectures about diversity and equity and inclusion, calling everyone else racist at the drop of a hat, disagree with their pro-crime lunacy, you're a racist, challenge their climate zealotry racist. If you order the wrong thing at dinner, you're probably a racist. But yet again, we see that whatever they accuse everyone else of, they're guilty of the exact same thing and worse. Los Angeles, city council, America's second largest city, run by Democrats for decades, now engulfed in a racism scandal of their own making. As they always say, when they tell you who they are, believe them. Nuri Martinez, president of the council, here's what she thinks of Mexican-Americans, quote, a lot of little, short, dark people who are, quote, so ugly. The adopted black son of one of her colleagues, quote, a little monkey who needed a beatdown. His father, who's gay, she called a little bitch. So it's homophobia, too, from these people who never stop waving the rainbow flags. Woo! Come on, Steve, tell us what you think. I love Steve Hilton. There's a guy who's from the United Kingdom who cherishes his citizenship here, but who's fed up with what he sees. Imagine saying those things. It's, it's unbelievable. So who's the real racist? Leo Terrell once again. Nuri Martinez, the president of the L.A. City Council, who made the majority of those statements, she tweeted out calling Trump a racist. They want to brain whitewash right. every Trump Republican, 75 million. The racist is the person who made the statement. It's a smoke and mirror game. I've been a civil rights attorney for 30 years and trying to fight discrimination. The Democratic Party is the heart and soul of, of discrimination. And they select people based on skin color and race. Example, we have an incompetent vice president solely selected because of her skin color and race we have a white house press secretary totally incompetent selected based on sexual orientation and color the democratic party looks at everything policy regulation everything through race and it got to stop and that's why hispanics blacks people of all colors are leaving the democratic party i left two years ago and i'm much much happier I hope Leo's right, except I hope that they're leaving in droves, in big enough numbers to make a difference. Now, Donald Trump made the first um, indentation into the black community, where I believe the number was 20%, first time ever, had voted Republican. That number gets needs to get up to about 40%. Of course, in real in the real world, it needs to be 100%. Why a black person would vote for a Democrat is beyond my comprehension. Why would a Jew vote for a Democrat? But they do. The Jewish people vote for Democrats in blocks. I mean, it's the Jewish block voting. They hate Jews. They can't stomach Jews. And yet Jews vote for them. Someone explain that to me someday, and you can pocket it and make yourself millions of dollars. If you can explain why Jews and blacks vote for Democrats, you'd be a gazillionaire. Because that's like saying to the person who just constantly takes an ass-whipping from his neighbor, why do you keep going back over there? And playing with that neighbor kid. He keeps kicking your ass. Well, you know, I don't know. 
Well, that's what Jews and blacks are. That's their response. Well, I don't know. You don't know. Well, why don't you wake up? Wake up. You're getting your ass kicked every time, and you keep going back for more. What in the hell is wrong with you? Do you enjoy getting your ass whipped, or do you enjoy complaining about it? That's the real question. Maybe the Jews and the blacks just enjoy complaining so that they'll continue to vote for Democrats, continue to get their ass whipped, continue to get nothing from Democrats, and then they can whine and bitch about it. The whining and bitch industry is alive and well in this country, trust me. It never stops. Rob Smith is also black, and he has a real simple question as he approaches these comments from this L.A. City Councilwoman from a media standpoint, because the real root of the evil in this country is found in the media. I want to look at this from a media standpoint, right? If this was a Republican that said these remarks, and these remarks are absolutely outrageous. If there was a Republican that said this, this would be major news. This would be the news cycle for the entire week. But since these were Democrats, we didn't hear a whole lot about it. In fact, the only time I really read about it was in print, and a lot of these outlets did not share that these were Democrats that made these statements. Of course they didn't. You'll never hear from the mainstream media that this was a Democrat. First of all, you're not even going to hear any coverage of the story, as Rob Smith pointed out. But if something did seep out, you'll never hear that they're Democrats. My God, no. Can't let that out. Are you crazy, Kevin? Why would we let that out? Now, the irony of ironies is how Leo Terrell gave you examples of people hired simply because of their race and gender and sexual orientation. And Karine Jean-Pierre is all three of those. She's female, lesbian, black. So she was hired for all three of the race-baiting issues that Democrats love. She was hired for nothing else because she's monumentally stupid, monumentally incompetent. She cannot do her job, and she's also, on top of everything else, full of shit. Here she is responding to these remarks by this Los Angeles City Councilwoman and blaming Republicans somehow. Here's the difference between Democrats and, and MAGA Republicans. When a Democrat says something racist or anti-Semitic, we would we we hold them, we hold really? Really? Democrats oh, accountable. Really? When a MAGA Republican says something uh, racist and or anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. they are embraced by cheering crowds and become oh. celebrated and sought after endorsements. <laughs> you heard that woman? Oh, really? She was narrating the video, but it's it's, it's laughable. Ilhan Omar, what did she say about Jews? Again, I'll point to the group of Jews that vote Democratic. What the F is wrong with you people? They hate Jews. Ilhan Omar wants the Jewish state eradicated. But KGP, KJP says that the Democrats come after their own. They call them out. Who's called her out? Who's called Rashida Tlaib out? Who's called Cory Bush out? Who's called Ayanna Presley out? Nobody. Who's called Obama out? Nobody. The chief racist in the Democrat Party. Nobody's called him out. But according to Karine Jean-Pierre, the difference between Democrats and MAGA Republicans, she had to slip MAGA in there, of course, is that they will call their people out and punish them, and the MAGA Republicans will celebrate and embrace the racism And they'll have cheering crowds. That was a subtle shot at Donald Trump. Where's the racism? 
you wench, you two-bit wench. Where's the racism? What has Donald Trump ever said that's racist? I'll answer it for you. Nothing. What has he ever did or what has he ever done that would indicate that he has racist views? The answer to that, nothing. What has he done to indicate that he is completely the opposite of that? Just about everything he's done. From his companies where he hires a top black, in fact, top black female executives, highly paid, to his policies toward the black community while he was president that we've already identified here earlier today. But according to Karine Jean-Pierre, he's a racist in front of cheering crowds who look for his endorsement. She's such a coward, she couldn't even say his name. I'm calling you out by name, Karine Jean-Pierre. You're a little black female lesbian who knows nothing. Nothing about anything. And you have a job only for those reasons. Does anyone doubt for a second if she were a white, straight female that she would have that job? No, she would not. As soon as the illiterate Saki left, they had to make sure they dotted three I's at the same time. And they did it. Obama, there's another racist. You don't call him out. When has a Democrat called Obama out? Well, Leo Terrell did. And he was recently a Democrat. Here's another black racist, Joy Reid. If, if you wonder about the racist beliefs of black liberals, you need to look no further than Joy Reid. She hates Herschel Walker because he's a black conservative. No other reason, mind you. You heard... Dick Morris say to describe how Herschel Walker did a spectacular job in the debate against Warnock. Now, I didn't have the confidence that he would, but he did. But Joy Reid says he's an Uncle Tom. Donald Trump is the person who was the casting director for much of the Republican field. And so he told you what he thinks of black men. He's athletic. He's compliant. He might be a little violent. Right. But he's 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 going to forward the interests of the the same white voters, the same white folks who love Donald Trump. He will never in any way interrupt the drive toward a white Christian nationalist nationalist agenda. He will he will comply with that agenda, number one, because he's never going to think through an alternative agenda. And he would never defy that agenda. That's the perfect black candidate, right? Because you could say, I'm not racist, I voted for the black guy. Right. But it's the black guy who will never, ever question or interrupt the drive toward the the white Christian nationalist agenda that Donald Trump himself believes in. What is the white Christian nationalist agenda? Does anybody know? I don't. There isn't one, of course. But Donald Trump believes in it. That's why he gave tens of millions of dollars to historical black and uh, black colleges and universities because he believes in the white nationalist Christian agenda, whatever that is. So she, Joy Reid told you just there that she hates white people, she hates Christians, and she hates black people who happen to be conservative, like Herschel Walker. She basically told you Herschel Walker's a dumb jock. He's athletic, a little violent, <laughs> who won't dare question the white slave master Donald Trump. Because this is the kind of black person that Donald Trump wants to endorse. 
Really? Is that the type that you described? First of all, the insults to Herschel Walker are abominable. But let's just look at John James. John James ran for the Senate in uh, Michigan. He won his race, but the Democrats stole it. He, like Donald Trump, was well ahead in Michigan when they stopped counting and all of a sudden found himself behind when they resumed counting. Now, who is John James? He's a black man. He's endorsed by Donald Trump. He graduated from West Point, spent eight years in the Army as a Ranger-qualified aviation officer. He served with distinction in Operation Iraqi Freedom. After his military service, he grew his family business from $35 million in revenue to $137 million in revenue, created 100 jobs in the United States, and earned an MBA from the University of Michigan. That's the kind of black man that Donald Trump endorses. Not what the bigot Joy Reid claims. Now, Joy Reid might not recognize John James, the black successful conservative, because Joy Reid can't hold a candle to the success of John James. Of course you wouldn't talk about a guy who went to West Point because you couldn't cut it. You could never have been admitted to West Point. And if you had been, you'd have been booted out in a week. You couldn't cut it. But he could. And that's the kind of guy Donald Trump endorses, overwhelmingly. Candace Owens gets it. She's black. She understands it all because she's not stupid and she's not a bigot. And Candace Owens understands that in this society today, in this country, the worst possible thing you can be is a white male. We've now somehow gotten into this society where people are pretending what we're doing is equality, and it's not. If we have ever achieved equality in this country, then you wouldn't blink if anybody says Asian lives matter, no one blinks. Black lives matter, no one blinks. But white lives matter, they fell apart, right? They fell apart because they actually, and I will stand by this as much as I possibly can, and I will be the loudest voice, the actually worst thing to be in this society, one thing I would not want to be, is a straight white male. For some reason, that's considered problematic, right? You have to be something. Some people lie. They're lying on college applications. They're like, okay, I'm white, uh, but I'm also trans. And you're like, what? Why are you pretending? It's because, oh, I don't want people to think I'm too normal, right? And people, you know, they're just trying to find something that makes them not white, right? And it's really staggering to think that once upon a time, that is exactly what the experience was for a black American, that being a black American was so problematic that you weren't going to be allowed into Rome. Now you have the exact same thing happening reverse, and you have liberals trying to convince you that that's equality. It's not all lives matter, and that's including white lives matter, you know? Carpe quadruple diem, Candace Owens. She's so right. We have gone from making black people feel that way to now making the white male feel that way, maybe white women but certainly the white male, that's not equality, that's stupidity. That's not understanding the wrongs of the past and improving them. That's continuing the wrongs of the past. You've just switched identity politics, that's all. You used to be against the blacks, now you're against the whites. That's what Democrats are. That's all they know is race, and they don't do a good job of it. It's just that people are dumb enough to pay attention to it. They lie through their teeth. They slip up and show you their true colors like this councilwoman did in Los Angeles. And yet, where's the condemnation? Where's Joy Reid condemning her? Where's Pelosi? I mean, it's your state, Pelosi. Adam Schiff. Swalwell. 
You're all from California. Where's your condemnation? Todd Bowles is a black head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was preparing his team last week for a game against the Steelers this Sunday, yesterday, who also are coached by a black man, Mike Tomlin. The liberal media, of course, extends to the sports media as well. So they decided at his news conference during the week, they would ask Todd Bowles about this significance of these two black coaches coaching against each other. Now, no one would have even noticed had the reporters not brought it up. And Todd Bowles, a pretty soft-spoken guy, put these people squarely in their place. You, you and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship is like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that fold. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at what color we are when we coast against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal as far as us being coaching against each other. I think it's normal. Wilkes got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to mean something. Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grew up like them, means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. I want to give that man a hug. Our research assistant found that. I want to give him a hug. Todd Bowles, you said it perfectly. Calmly, measured, perfectly. How about that female reporter? Well, representation matters too, right? No, it doesn't. You know, I mean, you're representing people that uh, grew up like you, look like you. Don't you love it how liberals always say, look like me or look like you? Everybody looks like, looks like, looks like. You're just a person. You don't look like anybody unless you have a twin. I don't consider myself to be a look-alike to white people. Every white person looks differently unless you're a twin. Every black person looks differently unless you're a twin. But aren't you an inspiration for people who look like you? I loved his comeback. That would make me an oddball to begin with. I love it. I love it. As I said last week, aren't we, when they talked about this first black female astronaut, aren't we so far past that? No, we're not. And we never will be. Do you know why we won't be? Liberals. Liberals and liberal media will never allow you to let go of any racial issue. Never. Trust me. Never, and underlined it a hundred times. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Mr. Slayton. Uh, great start to a Monday. Uh, it, it is so despicable, these reporters. They they disrespect every black coach that's ever coached. Yeah, completely. Uh, you remember, remember when Doug Williams was the quarterback for the Redskins and he started in the Super Bowl and he was the first black quarterback to start a Super Bowl. So one one reporter actually asked him, how long have you been black? <laughs> right, remember that. <laughs> it's, unbelievable. Well, it's just unbelievable how dumb media people are. What was, I think, Minnesota's coach in the 80s was black? Was like green? Uh, I believe Leslie O'Neill was a coach. Not Leslie O'Neill, but um, Leslie, gosh, what was his last name? Anyway, yes, is the answer. But, 
Green what and then Tony Oh Dennis Green, you're talking about Dennis Green. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Matt. Let me correct it. You were talking about Dennis Green. Dennis Green. But there was another coach, Leslie. I can't think of his name. But anyway, yeah, Dennis Green is who you were thinking of. Correct. And Tony Dungy, black black man, Christian, won a Super Bowl, won't get any respect. And it's sickening. They act like like slavery ended five years ago. (laughs) This is un yeah, they, they really – well, the liberals that act that way. But you're right. Tony Dungy, for one thing, you don't even notice that he's black. I don't. He's, no. he's one of the finest people that you'll ever come into contact with. Correct. What he does for all children, not just black children, inner city children, white children, Hispanic children. I think he has three or four organizations that introduce kids to sports, to Christianity, to religion. He does it. He doesn't get any recommendation or accommodations from and, these people. And keep in mind, he's very active with children. He lost his son to suicide. Yeah. And it's a very difficult, uh, if you've ever heard him talk about it, you understand. He, there's a great book. It's just called Dungy. It's a spectacular read if people are interested in reading about a great man. Tony Dungy's a great man. Oh, but he, oh, what a black author. Oh, my God, a black author. Let's get him yeah, he's, he's, he's How not long a, have you been a black author? Yeah, he's not a great black man. He's a great man. It's unbelievable. Exactly. It's it's so just, and nobody will bring that up. I mean, he did a great job. That coach for Tampa Bay, holds for what he just said, it won't get any play. This would be the only place that plays it. And no, and the sad part of that is, I'm rooting for him. I don't think he's that good of a coach. I think he's one of those coaches that is a coordinator. He's a spectacular defensive coordinator. But he had the head coaching job in New York with the Jets, and he failed. And now he's got Tampa Bay really struggling. So I'm, yeah. I'm pulling for his success because uh, the the league needs people like him, not black people, people, people. And, and but he's not a head coach. I think his no, he's his a head coach 20, now. Twenty four and forty eight. He's awful. Yeah, his head coaching record is terrible. But he's a wonderful man. Yeah, and and again, there are plenty of white guys who are only coordinators. They should never be near the head coaching chair, and he might be one of those guys. It's what I think in Detroit or not Detroit, uh, Carolina. They had the courage to fire their coach. They started out horrible. The fourth game of the year, they fired him. Yeah, Missouri they, apparently doesn't have that same courage. No, they'll hire him. Missouri will find the worst coach and give him a chance. <laughs> Leslie it, Frazier was the guy I'm trying to remember. Uh, who was that head coach at Minnesota? Thank you for a friend of mine who let me know that. Perfect. Yeah, that's but that's a thing. They need to bring this up. You know, slavery ended two hundred years ago, if not longer. It was it's uh, it's it's sickening. It's so sickening to get to watch these people talk like that. And then the Civil Rights March happened in the sixties, and they won't even mention Dr. Martin Luther King's name. They won't even bring it up. No. You know, we, we can all understand, as we said, as Candace Owens pointed out, actually, that go, taking it from the way black people used to be forced to believe to now making white men feel the same way is not progress. That That is utter, arrogant, racist stupidity is what it is. And I got to give – I can't stand the man. I don't like his music, and he's a little bit of an oddball, but uh, – that Kane West, J.P. Morgan canceled his bank account. He should be screaming racism. He should sue the heavenly hell heck out of J.P. Morgan because he came out 
gave an opinion and they canceled his bank yeah. accounts. Imagine, imagine canceling a man's bank account because he has a different view of the world than you do. But that's how, that's how white liberals are. It's mostly white liberals who pull that crap. If you've ever noticed. All right. I got to run, Matt. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. you. Keep thank it up. You. you bet. And I want to, I want all, all, all minorities to always remember this when you go to vote. Remember, this is the guy that you elected as president. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a fully, I'm not joking. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean Guy. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. How about those comments? Those should be played in every voting booth in America every time someone goes in to vote. I mean, this is what Democrats think of you. He thinks he's complimenting Obama by saying he's the first one of you people who came along that's clean articulate, bright, and handsome. Every black before Obama came along was ugly, according to Joe Biden. And you can't go into a convenience store unless you're part Indian. And he said, I'm not joking. He wasn't joking. He wasn't joking at all. You want to know how bad it's gotten in this country? And Dr. Rick's going to be along here momentarily to discuss this. Here's the Hippocratic oath forced to be taken and spoken by the medical class, medical school students at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities by this woke uh, dean of the medical school. Listen to this. This is this medical students swear have to swear to this. We, the students of the University of Minnesota Twin Cities Medical School class of 2026, stand here today among our friends families, peers, mentors, and communities who have supported us in reaching this milestone. Our institution is located on Dakota land. Today, many indigenous people throughout the state, including Dakota and Ojibwe, call the Twin Cities home. We also recognize this acknowledgement is not enough. We commit to uprooting the legacy and perpetuation of structural violence deeply embedded within the healthcare system. We recognize inequities built by past and present traumas rooted in white supremacy, colonialism, the gender binary, ableism, and all forms of oppression. As we enter this profession with opportunity for growth, we commit to promoting a culture of anti-racism, listening and amplifying voices for positive change. We pledge to honor all indigenous ways of healing, that have been historically marginalized by Western medicine. Knowing that health is intimately connected to our environment, we commit to healing our planet and communities. We vow to embrace our role as community members and strive to embody cultural humility. We promise to continue restoring trust in the medical system and fulfilling our responsibilities as educators and advocates. We commit to collaborating with social, political, and additional systems to advance health equity. We will learn from the scientific innovations made before us and pledge to advance and share this knowledge with peers and neighbors. 
we recognize the importance of being in community with and advocating for those we serve. Have you ever heard anything like that before in your life? Anything like that? I haven't. How in the world could any of those students recite that bullshit? That is nothing but liberal crap. Once again, being forced upon students, this time at the University of Minnesota, medical school, Twin Cities. Now, if you go and find the actual Hippocratic Oath, it says none of that. None of that. It talks about the person swearing to this oath that will take care of people. Take care of people. Good morning. Welcome to the Window World King's Court. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you? I'm good, Doc. Uh, I was just playing, and did you did you were you able to listen to the woke Hippocratic oath? Yeah, I listened to it. I was just playing it, and uh, as preparation for you coming on, and I was reading the actual Hippocratic oath that you all doctors take. Seems to me they're just a little bit different. Yeah, I looked at that last night and did some research. Have you ever heard anything like that before in your life? And I, I just don't know why we're getting away from the facts of medicine and getting into such uh, horseshit. <laughs> Thank you. You're exactly right. I mean, medicine is medicine. In those comments, the guy made these kids swear to um, it, it turning away from the legacy of structural violence in Western medicine and the traumas caused from white supremacy. Have you had any patients ever come into your office and say, can you treat me? I have this trauma in my neck from white supremacy and this structural violence of Western medicine. Do you have a cure for that? Can you take an x-ray? Right. It, it, it you know, it, it just, it just leads to such, um, and, and it just, it's just not what medicine is. Medicine is, you know, do no harm. Uh, you have a right to treat, you You know, you have an obligation to treat people to make sure that they don't die, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it goes through it. And there's a number of Hippocratic ghosts, and it's changed over the years. But by and large, you know, it's treating people, and it's doing the right thing. It's just ethics. And we've gone from ethics to, you know, indigenous people. I mean, just crazy stuff that just has really nothing to do with your your obligation to do the right thing. Hippocratic oath is basically do the right thing, don't profit uh, unfairly, you know, value life, value people, be a good doctor. I mean, that's what it really is. And, yeah. and it's just completely changed. Completely changed because of asshats like this. Now, I don't know about you, Doc, but if my son were in that medical class, I would have, and I was at that graduation ceremony, I stood up and said, shut the F up, and my son <laughs> is not going to recite that bullshit. That's what I would have done. Now, maybe I'm different. Well, no, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, Minnesota is very liberal. And uh, if doctors, that's how doctors want to treat people, and, and, and that's their their, vow- their goal is to get rid of white supremacy in medicine, you know, they really have nothing to do because there's not what I don't think there's a lot of white supremacy in medicine. 
there's not a lot of white supremacy in anything. This is nothing but a concocted baloney argument for liberals who can't let go of race. They think we're still living in the slavery days. As Candace Owens said, the worst thing to be in this country today is a white straight male. And she, and she's right. She's a hundred percent right. But have you ever in your entire medical career, which has been lengthy and successful, experienced uh, a legacy of structural violence and trauma from white uh, supremacy in any patient? I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, and you know, I wonder what other schools are doing, you know, because I listened to it and then I did some research. And I don't know if other schools are kind of going down the same path. I mean, is this where we're headed? My God, I hope not. I can only pray we're not. And once again, it's this university culture just forcing itself on students who are there to get an education. People go to medical school to become a doctor. They don't go to listen to your bullcrap woke liberalism. I mean, I've said many times if I had a child going to college today, I would instruct them that you've been raised with the proper values and the proper core beliefs, and you don't deviate from them because some jackass history professor wants to tell you that you're a slave owner. You know, you listen to the subject matter and tune the rest of it out. And I think that's probably what these kids did. You know, they're like, hey, I want to be a doctor. I finished medical school. I'm going to recite whatever they tell me to recite, and I'm with the show. You know, I'm going to yeah. do what I've learned. <laughs> and it didn't sound like any of them were reciting with any sort of passion. Well, and and how are you going to change anyway? I mean, you know, you're going to treat people right. You're going to do what you learn. You know, you're going to practice your trade the best you can. What are you going to do? You know, all of a sudden you're going to, I mean, how are you going to do any of those things? How are you going to be, you know, how are you going to get away from white supremacy in your medical practice? I mean, it's just all ridiculous. I mean, I don't know how you would, where do you even go with that? (laughs) It's It's so unbelievable. Just when you think they can't become more absurd, they do so. And now, now here we are back again with COVID issues right before the midterms. So uh, that COVID thing, it is election prolific. It is uh, able to detect whether you're four feet or six feet away. It's able to see plexiglass and stop right at it. It will never go over the plexiglass or under it or around it. Uh, and now here we are at another midterm when the, the uh, virus says, I don't want you Republicans to be elected. Right. It's just ridiculous, you know, and it's very convenient. It's excellent. Like you said, it's election related now. And, you know, how convenient to bring in uh, another course, another round, more more (laughs) rules, et cetera, to save the world. But most people are seeing through that. I mean, most people are are done with it. I think most people are done with it. Uh, And the fact that he said Biden said himself that it was over. And then everybody, of course, the Democrats said, "Well, well, wait a minute. It's not over. We've got an election coming up. It can't be over. But when I hear Fauci say that he never, ever told anyone to close schools, and then he's on tape telling people that you have to close the schools, this is the kind of craziness that infects this country. And I've noticed that ACT scores are lower than they've been since 1991. Now, the two are clearly related. Well, you know, we should talk. I'm sure you are talking about that. But that's, you know, that's a big deal. And I think we had two years of lost learning for nothing. You know, and I think these kids can't recover. I mean, they'll recover some. But you think these kids are going to be the same as the kids that didn't go through two years of sitting there looking at a computer screen when you're eight years old trying to learn for six hours? I mean, it can't be. 
No, it's impossible. I can tell you this. If I were forced to sit in front of a computer screen at age eight to learn my classroom work, I would have been distracted looking around, uh, reading, playing a game. There's, there's no way if, if you leave eight year olds to study by themselves with no supervision for, they're not going to do it. I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. It, it, it's just not. It's not the classroom. And, and I, I can't imagine what we're, what we've become because of this. Is there any reason for anyone to be in fear of COVID? I mean, it, 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 and we're hearing, we're seeing all the research coming back that those who are vaccinated, I just saw this from a doctor the other day, the, the unvaccinated are in, in better health than the vaccinated. <laughs> well, you know, all these things are going to come to bear because people are going to study this and they're going to look back and they go, wow, this is what we did. You know, I mean, we closed the schools. We did this. We killed the economy. People lost jobs. You know, now we gave everybody a zillion dollars. Now inflation's. I just read an article yesterday. People have lost 34% of their wealth, you know, daily wealth, you know, the right. ability to buy things because of how much money inflation has cost on top of, you know, figuring in what the government's given you. It's atrocious what's going on. And they're, they're talking about COVID and abortion. <laughs> right. Ridiculous. <laughs> Where do we live, Doc? Gosh, where do we live? It's just it's amazing. Awful. It's just amazing to me. Hey, we are in the midst of a football season and the end of a baseball season. So the injury totals will start lining up in football, and the baseball players who are still alive in the playoffs, uh, we hear dead arm from Adam Wainwright. We hear other ailments from guys. Help our audience understand, because a lot of parents are out there who have kids who play sports, what dead arm means? I mean, I know what it means, but I could never explain it properly. Well, dead arm is, is, is a common thing if you're a sports guy. And basically what you're seeing is you're seeing athletes, pitchers mostly, sometimes in catchers, but mostly pitchers, and they have, they, they, they have they've lost the ability to generate torque on the ball. And what is that from? It's from a couple things. Usually it's from a torn labrum. It can be from micro-instability. It can be from fatigue where you just can't generate enough rotation on the ball. You know, people measure all these things, rotation on the ball, et cetera. And then um, guys come in and they, they tell you, you know, they just and, – and Adam Wainwright, objectively, you can see it. His velocity dropped down to the point at the end. He said, you know, my arm's dead. I just can't go. But normally you worry about a labral tear, and then you worry about uh, some micro instability and weakness in the posterior shoulder. Sometimes rest can resolve it. A lot of times rest can't resolve it. And if you're his age, it's a reason to retire. Well, you know, so that's a big question. Should he come back? Can he come back? You know, he had a pretty good year last year. Uh, are there better alternatives? And, and can he get rid of this? Or are we going to go through a period? Is he going to go through a period where this is a repetitive stress to his shoulder and every once in a while he has dead arm? And I think that in terms of uh, – Brady, you know, Brady's numbers are down. Uh, Father time is going to catch up to all of us. I mean, there's just, you can't get past. That's a big question. I'm glad you brought Brady up. I wanted to ask you about, I've always been a believer that Brady has defied the odds and, uh, you know, maybe we point to his uh, draconian diet that he, that he's on his, his health plan, which has served him very well. Uh, he doesn't look healthy to me. I mean, you look at his face and he looks like he's a survivor of a uh, death camp. <laughs> I mean, is that my imagination? No, I mean, he looks very thin. 
Um, I don't know if, if he felt that losing somebody would help him in the offseason. I'm not sure. Doesn't look good. And, and you know, his numbers reflect he's not doing what he used to be able to do. But uh, his offensive line's not been very good, just to be honest. Uh, and that's always been a, a standard for him, not getting hit a lot. And quite quite honestly, sooner or later, just like Adam, you know, you, you, you know, just imagine if he's 60. At some point, you can't perform like you performed when you were 25 or 30. So, no, to me, he doesn't look healthy. He's got some mental, not mental, but social things going on with his marriage. And uh, I think collectively, he's not the guy I was. You know, back to the woke um and I just want to say one thing. You know, every, guys go to medical school to take care of people. Your goal is to take care of people. That's what you want to do. And and your, your goal is not to improve the world and, and stop white supremacy. If that's your goal, go into politics or go protest. So to, to drag doctors away from really what they're focused on, they're focused on taking care of people, getting people healthy, doing the right thing. And, and doc, every doctor doesn't do the right thing. I agree with that. But most doctors, 99.9, just want to make people better, do the best they can. And their goal is to make people healthy. White, brown, yellow, doesn't make any difference. When a patient comes to my office, I can care less. And, and for me, all of a sudden, to have a mantra, you know, that this is my goal, then I should go into politics yeah. or, or become a protester. Yeah, and I'm glad you went back to that because it's so true. I've never known a doctor who gives a damn what color a patient is. They treat people that are injured or treat people that are sick. Are they trying to convince us that if you don't take that oath, that a doctor in an emergency room and they see a black patient, they'll let them go ahead and die? But if they took that oath, they won't? I mean, it's it's so absurd uh, that, it, that it blows the mind. Or a black doctor will see a white patient come in and say, oh, send me some more black patients. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Because right, you don't look at it that way. No, it's maddening that you're right. You, you, your phrase was correct. Dragging doctors into this now. So it's it's not enough because everybody's told these liberals to go shove it up there, you know what, with their race crap. And now all of a sudden, well, well, let's drag doctors in. Maybe that'll make people talk about race. It's just incredible to me. You know, I, I, I would venture a guess that 99.9% of people don't think about race until some liberal brings it up. Well, and that's the thing, you know, that's Morgan Freeman's and the little, um, they say it, they don't see race. If, if, if you look for race and you try to find an issue, you can find an issue. But if you stop talking about it, you know, and, and you treat everybody fairly and everybody the same, which is ultimately the goal. And I think that's right. I think the mantra is right. You know, everybody should be the same. But I think that if, if, if you quit looking for issues and, and, you know, you do the right thing, and and you try to treat everybody fairly, um, and and that's that's heavy people, light white people, black people, you know, Chinese people, everybody. Then then that's the right thing, and I think doctors should do the right thing, and I think they should treat people with the, to the best of their ability, with the idea that they're going to save their lives, make their lives better, and give them the best medical care. I think if right away you're saying, well, that guy is this. Or I don't like this guy, you know, for for whatever reason, and that's going to alter uh, my treatment plan. And then we have a real problem. That's a big problem. But I think if you if you're a little bit race blind in in your day to day activity, meaning you're going to treat everybody 100 percent fairly the way you want to be treated, then I think that's how it should be. And I think most doctors really do practice medicine that way. I do too. I don't know if you heard Todd Bowles last week. He is the head coach of the Buccaneers. He's black. 
and he was getting ready to pre- uh, to prepare his team to play the Steelers, who have a black head coach. And so, of course, these media people had to ask him, you know, what it's like to, you know, you're playing, a, coaching against a black head. Now, I thought we had left that behind years ago, but apparently not these reporters. And he put them in their place. And he said that Mike Tomlin's a friend of his, but I have a ton of white coaches who are friends of mine, and we don't see color. We're just, he goes, we're just coaching ball. And, the, and then this female reporter says, but you would agree that representation is important, right? And people that look like you can be inspired. And he said, people that look like me, he said, all, right, right away you're saying that we're some sort of oddballs. He said, right. we don't, we don't right. accept that. We don't accept that. And then he said, and if you people would stop bringing it up, meaning the media, then everybody else would stop talking about it. You know, we have the first female black astronaut, they said, a week or so ago. And I said, haven't we been past that? I wouldn't have noticed uh, whether she's black, white, or indifferent because I don't care. But now they bring this up again. Remember the famous question, Doc? I, I mentioned it earlier when Doug Williams was quarterbacking the Redskins at the Super Bowl, first black quarterback. And they one guy asked him, how long have you been black? <laughs> <laughs> The IQ level of the media is not stellar. Well, they're part of the problem, or maybe the majority of the problem. Yeah. You know, and, and you can't let this die. Uh, and 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 then they got no job, right? They're 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 out of questions. So you know, it gets brought up and brought up and brought up. But really, you know, that if if you do get past it in societies where they're past it, then everybody's treated fairly. Everyone's treated equal. I think that's where you have to get to. And I think, like you said, but you know what? If, if they don't have this, this, just like the COVID, if they don't have this bang, this drum to bang, you know, what are they going to ask you? Exactly. It's just, it's absurd, but it never ends. Hey, on a lighter note, before I let you go, I know you were down in uh, Knoxville over the weekend for the Big Tennessee-Alabama game. Describe the atmosphere down there. It must have been uh, uh, an unbelievable experience. I've never seen anything like it. So, you know, we get there. Uh, I got some friends down there, and uh, they're obviously huge Tennessee supporters, uh, huge corporation, big PT corporation down there. And I uh, get down there, and, you know, we go to a party, and we wake up fairly early, and they start tailgating at 5.30 in the morning, games at 3.30. <laughs> and and you can't find a blade of grass at the University of Tennessee. It is packed. People um, – tailgating like you've never seen and i'm sure it's the same at you know usc and Ole miss and these places but it's like nothing i've ever seen uh pete manning was there everybody was there everybody's just hanging out the game starts and you know obviously there's no 104,000 people there's not an empty seat everyone's in orange um you know you had some alabama fans and they and the good thing was tennessee started out fairly well if you're a tennessee fan if you're an Alabama fan, the game was close. It wasn't a blowout. And uh, the ending was just ridiculous. You know, it looked like Alabama was going to score, kick a field goal. The guy missed it. And then the Tennessee kicker barely made it on some lame duck field goal. But that will be his legacy the rest of his life. He kicked a winning field goal against Alabama. The last time they beat him was like 2006. They beat him in 1982. But everybody just talks about the years that, Tennessee beat Alabama because it doesn't really happen. And then people were just bawling in the stands. You know, I, we all rushed the field because we're idiots. So we're out there <laughs> on the field tearing down the goalposts like we were 23 years old and uh, hanging out with the players and everyone smoking cigars. But people, there was there was 10,000 people in the stands and they were overcome. That's, a, that's amazing. 
That that reminds me of the, when the Red Sox won the World Series for the first time in a hundred years. Red Sox fans were saying, "Now I can go ahead and die." The elderly fans, you know, now I can die. People were talking about their parents. Now my grandpa can die because he's been waiting for so long, and it was the, the same kind of emotional experience. And you you talk about uh, the experience on campus there. That head coach at Tennessee was with Missouri just four or five years ago, and would have gladly taken the Missouri job, but it was never offered. Can you imagine how backwards we are in this state? <laughs> well, in retrospect, uh, you know, and, and really a couple of years ago, Tennessee was awful. So it's not like, right. you know, Alabama, you know, they, they get every recruit, every five-star, every top guy, you know, Nick Saban says, hey, you want to go in the NFL, come to Alabama. But, you know, they're, they're, they're quarterbacks, a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, you know, the guy before him, the wide receiver, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, so, you know, it's not like Tennessee's got a history of, oh, my gosh, just great talent. But they got a great team, bunch, great bunch of kids. But I have never in my life – first of all, Knoxville is like – I mean, it, it's like Columbia on steroids. <laughs> when you – they call it – some. there's a name for it, Tennessee Friday. You can't – you won't see a white shirt, a blue shirt. Everyone has an orange shirt on on Fridays. And at this game, if you didn't have a Tennessee shirt on – you went to the bookstore and you bought one because you look, you talk about black and white. You want to talk about prejudice. You go wear a red shirt in Tennessee <laughs> and you'll see some prejudice. <laughs> it's a great college atmosphere. I, I love those stories because if, if you've ever been to one of these places on game day, it's, there's nothing like it. it it's, it's impossible to really give people the flavor of what you were experiencing when you were there. But I love that you ran down to tear down the goalpost. And you know what? It, 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 it is true that that kicker, they won't remember that he kicked a knuckleball through the, through the uprights. They'll simply remember that he made the winning field goal to beat Alabama. Oh, and he, you know, in 50 years, he'll be in some bar and he'll want to tell someone how, you know, with two seconds left, they put two seconds back on the clock and, and he'll, and by then it'll be, he pounded it through and it could have been a 70 yarder. Because he has so much leg. That's, that's, that's how that story will end. That's right. And if he wants to, if he gets a job, whatever he's majoring in or, or his career, if he stays in Knoxville, he'll never have to buy another dinner or another drink. No, I mean, he, he's instantly famous. And Sozer head coach and Sozer quarterback. I mean, quarterback was that guy's the real deal. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, a lot of defense, 100 points. I mean, whoever's picking the over under, I hope they all took the over. But let me tell you. That game was insane, and and the, the like you said, there's no pro game that has atmosphere like that. None. People were going crazy, and they were going crazy. I'm telling you, at 5:30 in the morning, <laughs> you couldn't get to camp. You had to walk. I mean, it, there were so many people. The camp was blocked off. People were tailgating so far out. Um, you would drive up to go park, and everyone's tailgating at their house, and it's pitch black. <laughs> I've heard great tailgating stories before, but never at 5.30 in the morning. Oh, packed. And, I mean, you know, you got to hand it to these people who drank from 5.30 to 3.30 <laughs> and then watched the game and were alive to watch the game. Yeah, and actually remember what happened. Oh, it's crazy. It's Did crazy. You, uh, were you, were you part of the group that tore the goalpost down and were walking through the city with it? <laughs> we were for a while, but let me tell you something. So, so you tear the goalpost down. You walk out of the stadium. We're all walking with it. And now we're all looking at each other like, okay, great. Now what do you do with a goalpost? Right. You know, at, at, at 1130 midnight that you just torn down in a mass hysteria. 
And, you know, we all ended up throwing it in the river because what are you going to do? You can't take it home. You know, we probably should have cut it up and sold it, but everybody's so banged up. So, he, you know, it was actually kind of funny. It's like we all looked at each other like, okay, now what do we do? And then they have this thing called the Mall Navy because the Tennessee River's right there. And there might be, you know, I, I don't even know, thousand boats. And everybody comes out taking a picture with the goalpost. But, you know, once you had your picture, now you got this giant thing, you know, and Oh yeah, he goes ends up in the river. When that last time I was at a game where they tore the goalpost down was at Mizzou against Oklahoma quite a few years ago. Blaine Gabbert was the quarterback then, and they tore the goalpost down and walked it through campus over to Harpo's. <laughs> now the Harper brothers were who owned Harpo's were going, "What do we want with the goalposts? What What are you going to do with the goalposts here at a local bar in downtown Columbia?" People people exactly. don't look at they don't look ahead. <laughs> exactly. So it was kind of funny, but. You know, people were, were, were crazy. I mean, everybody was. And the other thing is, you know, on the field, let's say there was 40,000 people on the field. I have no idea. Everyone's your best friend, right? Oh, everyone's yeah. giving you a drink. Everyone's giving you a cigar. Everyone's giving you a hug. You're immediately, I mean, there wasn't any violence or no fights. There was not a bad word. Everyone's immediately like your long-lost cousin. It was really pretty cool. That's a neat experience, and it's sad that you can't experience that at Missouri anymore, and it's doubly sad when you know that the coach who brought it to Knoxville is a guy that should be coaching at Missouri. Um, and perhaps the Oklahoma people feel the same way. He was their quarterback for their last national championship team, but he's now at Tennessee. And Oklahoma's struggling. Missouri's, str- Missouri's not even struggling. They're just abysmal. But I, I as, a, as an alum at Missouri, I want that atmosphere down there, and it just isn't anywhere near – in the near future to, to even dream that it could happen. But well, you, you know, t- it all starts at the coaching level. And I think this guy has immediately, you know, obviously become a legend on the campus as, as, as the quarterback and Hyatt, the wide receiver that caught the five touches. And I mean, these guys are now immediately heroes, but everybody forgets last week, they had an unbelievable game against Florida. Tennessee did. <clears throat> and it was also a barn burner. And they won at the end. Um, this guy's got it going, you know, and, and, and I'm sure recruits looking at this and thinking, you know, this oh, might yeah. be a viable option and that's where it all starts. Oh, it sure does. And it only took him a couple of years. So when people say, well, it takes, you know, you got to coach your own recruits. So you got to be there at least four or five years to some degree. I understand that in football as opposed to basketball, but Josh Heupel did it quickly at Tennessee because they were about to par on par with Missouri just a couple of years ago. And now that now, in my opinion, they should be ranked number one in the country. They beat the best team. You should be ranked number one. You're undefeated, so you should be ranked number one. By the way, they find the SEC did find the university a hundred thousand dollars for fans rushing the field. Have you contributed to pay that fine? <laughs> well, you know, we're all talking about that because they were talking about the game. They said the goal pass were one, were a hundred. I mean, we're twenty five, and and you get fined a hundred grand. So so now your pictures on the front page of every paper that everyone, every recruit, every kid is looking at. I said that's the best hundred grand advertising they could possibly, <laughs> absolutely, they could possibly get. Absolutely. And I was with an alumni who who uh, flies on the team plane, blah blah blah. And this guy, his name is Robert Labou. Shout out if he's listening. And this guy said, "I'm sending a check for a hundred thousand dollars as soon as I get home to the athletic department. I'll personally pay for the rest of the field. <laughs> I'm sure they they probably got donations. I guarantee you, they probably got ten million dollars in donations." as soon as that game was over, because let me tell you something, those people, the alumni, the tennis, there's a big alumni Tennessee tent 
And, uh, you know, the tailgate, people are just walking up, eating everybody's food. Absolutely. And these guys, yeah, these guys had, this is after the game, they re-catered in. They had, I've never seen so much alcohol in my life, and they were they were waving people in. So I promise you, they had they had it going last night. Yeah, and I'm t- I tell you, if you've ever been up to a game at Notre Dame, it's like that. It, you say people, you're eating everybody else's food. And if you don't, if you walk by any area of a tailgate outside of Notre Dame Stadium and you don't eat some of their food, they're pissed at you. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, That's why they're there. So. Yeah, you're not there to lose weight. No, that, that didn't happen. Well, great stuff, Doc. Thanks for weighing in with us on this Hippocratic Oath and uh, your experience at Tennessee. It's fun living living it through you and listening to how it was. It appeared that way on television. And uh, anybody who's ever been to one of those games, uh, I was at that Notre Dame-Florida State game in 92, number one against number two. It was it was beyond. It's the greatest experience I've ever had in sports. Right, and, you know, I think if the game's a blowout, you know, it's 28-3, to three, you know, everybody's down. And, 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 and when when – and, and we couldn't see we're on the other side, but uh, Tennessee fumbled or something, and then Bama took it in, and the place was so quiet. And then they come back, and then just and you know, and, and of course there's this there's this systematic hatred for for Alabama, right. Saban, right? Just because they beat them so many years in a row. So when they won that game, when that field goal went through, which you could barely tell. I mean, it you know it looked so bad. Um, I, I've never, I've never. I mean, rushing the field, you didn't have a choice because the right. guy in front of you and all the people behind you, if you didn't get going, you, know, you were going to die. <laughs> you are going to tra- be trampled. So it was like, it wasn't if you're going to rush the field, it's how fast you're going to rush the field. Just You just had to run a little faster than the guy behind you. <laughs> what a great atmosphere. What a great scenario down in Tennessee and what a great victory for them. And, you know, you always hear uh, coaches talking about that atmosphere. Nick Saban was on game day prior to the game Saturday, and when they asked him what kind of reception he thought he'd get, he said, I'm sure that uh, they won't be warm to us when we show up. (laughs) (laughs) No, and and that's what you want. You know, I mean, look, Alabama's a dynasty, no doubt about it. So, you know, you you just want to have, I mean, you know, kids want to be able to be excited and kids want to have something to look forward to, and you want to have memories, and, you know, they're making memories. They are definitely doing that, and you made some yourself. Doc, thanks for the visit. We appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. That's Dr. Rick Lehman visiting with us here uh, with regard to that Hippocratic Oath and his experiences at Tennessee over the weekend. Great time down there in Knoxville. Well, folks, that's going to wrap us up for the day. Um, Another Monday in the books. We appreciate you being with us as part of the show in the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com, the podcast later on our website, also on Google. Amazon, Apple, Anchor, any place you listen to good podcasts, you will find ours. Spotify as well. We're back fighting the good fight again for you tomorrow morning. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everyone.